This week on the Metal Shop Podcast, we're talking about the only band I'm not actually allowed to sing along with. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Metal Shop Podcast with me, Big Frog. Me, Mike Castleberry. And this week we are doing Body Count. Fuck yeah. It's pretty timely considering. That's why I decided we should do it. Um, I thought of all, with all the shit going on in America right now, if, if there was ever a time like specifically to do an episode on Body Count, it was right now. Mm-hmm. All the shit that they were talking about back in 1992 it's still fucking going on and it's still and it's if it might even be worse i don't know right and that was almost 30 years ago yep so it's pretty crazy basically you know the uh the story of body count is the story of ice t you know um he was born on the east coast moved to the west coast when he was pretty young because both of his parents died when he was young and then he met his cousin Earl, who was a heavy metal fan, right? So he yeah. like Sabbath and, you know, that kind of shit. And so, you know, little Ice-T, whose name is actually Tracy, right, started liking that shit. And so actually liked heavy metal before he liked hip-hop, which is interesting. Well, there wasn't even really hip-hop, you know, until a bit later. Like, to him... He fell into rap because he was start. He was idolizing pimps because mm-hmm. that was the way to get money. Right. You don't get fucking shot at all the time. All this other it, to him, it was the safest hustle. And they're the fucking flashiest, coolest dudes around. Right. So he idolized pimps and he started speaking to everybody in pimp speak. Mm-hmm. So eventually when rap started crystallizing in New York, because he's out here in L.A. at that point, mm-hmm. you know, when he's first hears like Sugar Hill Gang and Rapper's Delight, he's basically like, oh, I could fucking do that. Right. But he turned it on its head because, you know, like you can't say Ice-T invented gangster rap, but he was definitely one of the pioneers. Oh, for sure. You know, it's funny because I was in high school during this time. And, well, I was in, like, elementary when Sugar Hill Gang and all that shit came out, which I thought was just the corniest shit ever, you know? Oh, the chicken tastes like wood. It's just like, okay, whatever, yeah. And then in high school, that was during, like, the Run DMC era and whatever, and there were people that were, you know, just trying to explain to me, you know, oh, yeah, Run DMC, dude, you know, whatever, whatever. And that was just like, man... 
Nah, not really. It was just like, it, to me, it still seemed really corny. Although, like, the hood and everything that they were from was, I'm sure, rough. They weren't singing about none of that kind of shit, you know? They were singing about my Adidas and Kings of Rock, in which I didn't think they were rock. So, I was just like, yeah, man, whatever, nah. But then I heard Ice-T. And the first song that I heard from Ice-T was just called, uh, I don't even know what it was called. But the song went like, girl, let's get buck naked and fuck tonight. Right? That was like the hook. Man, this dude is fucking the 19 yards of chitlins with onions and sardines on the side. Now that's funky. One, two, one, two, two, three. I'm the MC called Ice T. Uh-huh. That's DJ Evil E. Word. Islam creates the beat. Don't be. You girls look so sexy. Uh-huh. I wish y'all were up here with me. You know that. You drive me crazy with them big old butts. Girls, let's uh-huh. get butt naked and fuck tonight. I'm trying to make this real clear, dear. Tell them I have no time to whisper in your ear. No time for that. No time to remove your fears. I just want to get near. Near, close, you know what I'm saying? Get butt naked and roll around. Oh, Move shit. our bodies like up and down. That stuff that your mama calls smut, girl. Let's get butt naked and fuck. Come on, you know you want to do it too. And I was just like, oh, well, yeah. I mean, this is like he's saying what I'm saying, you know. And so I was just like, okay, this is this is a bit better. And then you know, NWA took it from there, or whatever. And Ice T got a lot more gangster too, with um, you know, six in the morning which is about your house getting raided, you know, by the cops at six in the morning. Colors, when when Colors came out, you know, it was all about gang shit and everything. And even though I wasn't into gang shit, it was still, I knew, like, dudes like that. And it was like, an iced tea looked like just some dude from Skyline that you would see, you know? So I was like, yeah, this shit is, like, more real. And that's when I started liking, like, I really didn't like hip-hop. I like gangster rap. Oh, for sure. I think one of the things he was talking about, like his early rap days and when he was starting to come up with some of the gang- more gangster shit, because he was like, well, I'm just going to write about what shit's actually like out here. Mm-hmm. And he, the way he described it, it was like, you know, before I was really coming along, like hip hop and rap was like, throw your hands in the air and wave them like you just don't care. Right. And like throw your hands in the air and fucking keep them there. I'm robbing you right now. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it's crazy. Like his whole backstory with, you know, how he ended up focusing on music was to him. It's his, it's an even safer hustle. Mm-hmm. He was a pimp before that. He was a fucking jewel thief where, you know, they weren't like the whole, like, you know, oceans 11 type of, Thieves. It was more like you go into a jewelry store and be like, hey, let me check out this fucking $10,000 Rolex. All right, fucking buy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, and that's the funny thing. The funny thing about his backstory is, you know, I'm all with embellishments and, you know, there's nothing wrong with pumping up a story. So I get that. I'm not sure exactly what's true about his story and exactly what's not. I know he doesn't have a criminal record of any kind. That just means he didn't get caught. Um, I know a few of his friends went away and he credits them for not having snitched him out. So that kind of, but I've never really looked at Ice Cube, I I mean Ice-T, excuse me, and said, 
oh, that looks like a fake motherfucker to me. I don't see it. I don't see it that way. Yeah. And he uh, has gone kind of out of his way to put himself in the target sometimes of fuck the CIA, the cops, who knows who else, you know? So he's a pretty down motherfucker, I, I, I would think. Yeah, the... So if I was watching his behind the music to get prep for that, and he does talk about um, some of his crew got busted. They didn't run out, which is, you know, no snitching. But he'd, you know, he'd, get, he'd talk to them or write to them, and they're like, yo, this place fucking sucks, dude. Ooh. Like, so they basically, when they got out, they wanted to reform themselves, and they're telling him, like, dude, stay out of here. Don't fucking end up in here. This is the worst. Because... They were living the big life before someone got caught. Mm-hmm. They, they're just like, ain't no filet mignon up in this shit. There ain't nobody knows what filet mignon is up in this shit. Like, you need to stay out of this. So he was kind of thinking about that. And, you know, he started pimping and he had his, you know, he he did that for a while. And he had one guy on the behind the music talk about He's like, he was talking about like Ice-T was a mean motherfucker back then. He's like... It's like, I, I've been, you know, at a party and Ice shows up with his girls and shit. And I've seen him slap like 10 bitches in one night. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. so he ended up getting into a car accident that almost killed him. Mm-hmm. And he was in the hospital for months. Mm-hmm. He was sorry about like nobody showed up. Nobody came to see him. He was just mm-hmm. a little for that long. And to him, that was like, I need to do something different with my life because, like, to everybody, it was like, oh, I sitting around? Oh, good. <laughs> you know, it, uh, he's it an is. an asshole. It is funny that way, man, because, like, when you get busted, yeah, nobody comes to see you. You know, your family, but, like, his family, his parents were already dead. So it was like, yeah, he must have really even felt it even harder because as soon as you get arrested, all them fools you were hanging out with, they're just going through your shit and dividing it up. So, yeah, there's not much. uh, The love isn't that real in in that uh, environment. Yep. So he had recovered from that and decided he needed to go straight. And that's when he met, you know, his first wife and... Just devoted himself to music. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. He was like, and he said like he was going through like hustler withdrawals because he was living with his girl. She was doing all the providing. He's trying to get his, you know, his music career going. So they're lit. It's a tight budget. And he's sitting there like, God, I can 20,000 tonight mm-hmm. and fix all the problems we have. But he's mm-hmm. like, gotta fucking play this shit straight yeah you know and that's and in the end it worked out yep yep he went through that rough you know that rough period as an artist where he's fucking broke and he had already lived that good life before through you know, criminal means mm-hmm. so it's hard to just like do things the hard way again when he was like oh i could go i could go pull a bunch of bitches and have them out on my team mm-hmm. you know that's real shit, man. That's real shit. It's so tempting to just, you know, you know what? I just I just need to do one score and I'm going to be cool. And but it never works out that way. No, it's always yeah. It's always that one. You got a quick cold turkey with that shit. So he starts killing it 
in the rap game, right? And around 90, 91, his, uh, his old heavy metal roots come out, you know. All the dudes uh, that ended up being in Body Count, he knew those fools from high school. Yeah, they're all dudes from Crenshaw. <laughs> yeah. So they they start coming back around, and and it's time to make an out. Well, first they played Lollapalooza, which uh, I told you uh, they came here. It was at Southwestern College. I didn't go. I didn't have money for, for that. It was a lot of money for Lollapalooza. So, but we parked outside, and we were partying with people that were walking around and shit. It was cool. And uh, you could hear Ice-T doing his set. And then when Ice-T's set was done, it was like some some heavy shit. And we didn't really know what the fuck it was because there hadn't been that yet. And then we found out that it was called Body Count. And then they were coming out with an album. Now, I was skeptical because, you know, I don't like that, uh, whatever you call it, blending of things like Run DMC and Aerosmith. or and I, I don't necessarily like that shit. So if it was going to be that... I didn't think I was going to like it. But once I heard it, I realized that it wasn't that. Oh, for sure. And he, you know, he gave everyone a taste on his uh, OG original Gangster album. Mm-hmm. He put um, a Body Count track on there, which is the song Body Count. Right. And he does the whole little skit beforehand introducing it. So you have like, you know, this, the fake interview thing where they do with the woman you know what do you say what do you say to fans that say you sold out by having rock and roll on a rap album and he's like well i grew up on rock music i love rock music if i want to start a fucking rock band i'm gonna start a rock band and in fact i put together a band we're called body count and if people don't like it they can suck my dick (laughs) boom Mm -hmm. there's body count Ice-T, after your tremendous success on your past album, some have said you've sold out because of the use of rock and roll in your music. How do you reply to that? You see, a lot of people don't realize that, you know, rock and roll is truly black music. It was created by Chuck Berry, Little Richard, and black people like that who started off back in the day, you know. And as far as I'm concerned, music is music. I don't look at it as rock, R&B, all that kind of stuff. I just look at it as music, you know. And anybody who said that I sold out, they can basically suck my dick because I really don't give a fuck about that shit, you know. But uh, I do what I like, and I happen to like rock and roll, and I feel sorry for anybody who only listens to one form of music. Now, right now, I got my own rock band that's got to jump off. It's a real black hardcore band called Body Count. And uh, on some of the records, I'm, like, laying some vocals on it. And uh, I got a tape of it right here. Yo, check it out. You know, sometimes I sit at home, you know, and I watch TV. And I wonder what it would be like to live someplace like, you know, the Cosby Show, Ozzy and Harriet. You know where cops come and got your cat out of the tree? All your friends died of old age. But you see, I live in South Central Los Angeles. And unfortunately...
here's a little taste. Let's see what you think about it. Like you said, it wasn't like rap rock. You know, it right. was a fucking hardcore band that happened to have Ice-T in it. Mm-hmm. He's not rapping on the songs. Right. Singing on some of them. He's more, he's not like what you call like a great vocalist. Right. But he's got kind of that, you know, that that kind of Bay Area thrash metal delivery type of thing where he can, he can, he can yell the shit. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. And it worked. It like pretty much right from the beginning, I dug it. Body Counts in the House, uh, Bowels of the Devil, KKK Bitch. There goes the neighborhood. There goes the neighborhood. And they're also funny, you know, so there's there's humor in it and meaning, you know, when you get to the obvious fucking uh, ones, which are there goes the neighborhood and fucking cop killer. But, you know, yeah, there's that's what's so cool about it is he does, you know, metal. A lot of it is, you know, it originally formed as like, hey, how can we make, you know, horror movies into music mm-hmm. and body count kind of does that in a way where it's like, Hey, there ain't nothing scarier than fucking real life. Right. So we're going to do metal about real life shit. There's also going to be shit like evil dick and voodoo on it. <laughs> right. Right. Which Motherfuck is the voodoo. <laughs> yeah. I bitch my eye. <laughs> KKK bitch gave birth to like a whole genre of porn, right? Oh, fuck. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it, it has its applications for sure. But, yeah, at the end of the day, I understand, like, we talked about this in the, in our controversial songs. Uh, right. So, I think that was our consensus was Cop Killer is probably the most controversial song in the history of metal. I think so, and I knew it right when I heard it because... I mean, we we had had fuck the police already, which was cool, you know. And it and at the time, it was fucking hardcore to say some shit like that. But 
this was fucking another level. I mean, because I was writing songs about, you know, similar things in similar ways or whatever, but I never said fucking cop killer. Yeah. <laughs> that was fucking next level. I was like, God damn. Yeah, that's one of those things where we're talking about shit like, like bullying your head and stuff like that. Right. Then you had cop killer with body count and it's it's not mincing words. It is just a song about murdering police officers. Absolutely. They're yeah. like, no, fuck the cops. They fucking deserve it. Yeah. Unapologetically just fucking. Yeah. And holy shit. And that, the thing is, is that album had been out for a little bit when the controversy first started. Because mm-hmm. really, in the wake of the L.A. riots, when more attention started to get paid to like gangster rap and shit like that. Mm-hmm. And then you have Ice-T and Body Count. You know, he just did Original Gangster and his follow-up is Body Count. And he's got shit like Cop Killer on there. And people are already mad at the police. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so all of a sudden, it's this huge blows up where you have politicians talking about how awful this song is. And I he, he's talking about, like, he's kicking it with, like, his band. And he's turning on CNN. And you got talking about cop killer and he's like mm-hmm. oh shit mm-hmm. this yeah. is fucking wild at first they thought it was funny yeah but the longer it went on the less funny it was well yeah you got the president and the fucking vice president saying your name on tv yeah talking about how you're fucking you know disgusting and um obscene and all kinds of shit yeah i mean you got shit like you got shit well i will have to splice it in to listen to when you got Charlton Heston reading <laughs> your song for an NRA thing where it's like, you know, and he's got like, and it's Charlton Heston, so he can't not be dramatic about everything. It's right. Like, you hear your wife screaming. Yeah. Fuck her. Fuck him. Let me uh, give you a sample of some of the uh, lyrics that had some of the older ladies among the stockholders white with dismay, <laughs> language they had never heard before. I got my 12-gauge sawed off. I got my headlights turned off. I'm about to bust some shots off. I'm about to dust some cops off. The room was death still, a sea of shocked, frozen, blanched faces. The Time Warner executives squirmed in their chairs and stared at their shoes. They they hated me for that. Then I delivered another another volley of really sick lyrics, brimming with racist filth, where Ice-T fantasizes about sodomizing two 12-year-old nieces of Al and Tipper Gore. I've never heard the vice president refer to this. She pushed her her butt against my... No, I won't do to you here what I did to them there. Let's just say I left the room in an echoing silence. A few weeks later, Time Warner terminated Ice-T's contract. I know. (laughs) (laughs) And then he's just like, and he's like, real nice lyrics you got there, or something like that. So he's just super Charlton (laughs) Heston-y. Yeah. Getting cop killer. And it's like, dude, we're home. This is a new level of shit. Now, for me, I was a kid during this time period. Mm-hmm. The riots happened when I was in, like, fifth grade. Right. 
I remember my teacher. Um, I remember my teacher putting on the the news in class, and we just sat there kind of watching some of the shit for a little while just to see like the chaos. I don't know what the point was. She wasn't trying to make some sort of grand like spectacle. I think she just thought we needed to know what was going on. But you know, like I was eleven, so I don't have a whole lot of context. I just know that like I knew about the Rodney King shit. I'd seen the Rodney King video because it's all over the news. Mm-hmm. So I already saw that and I was a little predisposed to being like, yo, maybe the police are kind of fucked up as a child seeing that. And then they got away with it. And then all hell broke loose. And I right. when she had that on. She, I guess she just wanted to make see when the riot, damn riots were going to end. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I'm 11 years old seeing Reginald Denny get busted in the head with a brick like getting pulled out of his truck i saw that shit live mm-hmm. and that became like the crystallizing moment of like oh fuck yeah this is hectic but i'm a kid seeing that and i'm like yo america's fucking crazy <laughs> so yeah I, that, that veil ripped away at a pretty young age because you know I, i'm a white kid in the suburbs like that's not shit that you really see too much despite the fact I, it was the suburbs of spring valley so right. blocks in like away from my house and it, it already starts getting a little sketchier <laughs> oh yeah yeah when that was happening i was trying to start shit down here to uh to kick off but it wouldn't kick off it just wouldn't so <laughs> i would i was already stealing bottles from stores at uh on a regular basis. So now I wasn't even hiding it. I was just grabbing two bottles and mobbing out of the store. Like, <laughs> ah, you know, whatever, whatever. But Rodney King. Yeah. <laughs> but back then, uh, San Diego wasn't about that kind of shit. And I guess a little bit more now. Still, you know, not really, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's San Diego's a little more conservative. Oh, totally. What we did get from those riots down here was a whole lot of guns. Uh, because I guess they were breaking into like sporting goods stores and shit up there, whatever, whatever. And we got a lot of cheap ass three eighties down here that jam so, uh, often that they're not even useful, but there was a shitload of them all of a sudden from that. That was, um, 92. Yeah. Yeah. A lot, a lot of guns from those LA riots. Another thing about the first album about the, uh, body count is, um, Ernie C. Ernie C was a, was a, uh, he was a trip because like he was kind of like, he was very riffy. He had a lot of good riffs and a lot of good shit. And, it, but his lead playing was kind of like, um, he was good, but a little bit amateurish and a little bit noise makey, a little bit tricky. He was kind of a lot similar guitar player. Like I was, you know, where uh, he's doing shit that like, sounded cool and everything but really like wasn't all that technical it was like you know a lot of tremolo picking where you're picking as fast as you can and and hoping your fingers can keep up but usually they don't you know but it still sounds good shit like that so that was like ernie c's lead style but his rhythm style was awesome i thought he had some pretty sick riffs i feel like if you kind of he's uh, he's not on the level of iomi obviously yeah but i feel like his style is if like you kind of smashed iomi and carrie king together yes very much you kind of get ernie c although he did have some shit like you know and um on tracks like uh 
the winner loses mm-hmm. where it's there's more feel to it mm-hmm. so you start getting like that little more more hendrix in there right My friend's addicted to cocaine Smokes day and night drives Martin Paul insane Living his life in the dark light Every dollar he gets goes into the pipe He wants to borrow some money from me He's very much you can he's one of those guitarists that you can really feel his uh his influences. Oh totally. Yeah, there's a lot like you said, there's a lot of Iomi in there. There's a lot of Slayer in there. Maybe a little bit of Megadeth in there. I, I hear like during on some riffs uh where he uses like the pedal tones like like uh, Mustaine does, but Really, um, if Ice-T would have tried to do it with like some lesser guitar player or a guitar player that didn't have as good of riffs as Ernie C, it might not have worked as good. Yeah, Ernie, he's like he's like what, what you'd consider like kind of a really top shelf like self-taught type dude because he's not some like session dude. He was never like he didn't go to music school. He just learned how to play guitar you know, because uh, uh, his uncle was into rock music and Ernie was listening to some of the shit that his uncle liked and he dug it. So he got a guitar and he taught himself how to play. And the only shit he's ever played on is body count shit. Like he was right. like a pro musician. He was just one of Ice-T's homies. And they're like, yo, let's fucking put together a metal band. Mm-hmm. Just it's like, you know, it's like if he would have formed the band in high school, except for he did it, you know. 15 years later. Right. Just all dudes that you knew from school and you form a band. That's how you sh- you did that shit when you're a right. teenager, except for they all did it in their 30s. <laughs> you know? Right. And, you know, one of the trippy things is that it kind of goes along with the way society is and the shit that we're talking about right now that most of the original body count is dead. Yeah. Right. You know, because uh, Beatmaster V died in 96 from cancer. D-Rock died in 04 from cancer. Moose Man died in 01, shot in a drive-by. And it just goes to show that, you know, black dudes are still getting shot in, in, in drive-bys. You know, even if they're kind of famous. And other dudes just really don't have insurance to go get checked out and don't know they have cancer till it's too fucking late. And it is, you know, part of what they're saying in that black dudes die 
too young in this country and whatever. And the, their own band, like, it exemplifies it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can't, at the end of the day, you can't separate the band from the message. Right. One of those bands that's like you said, they they kind of had that little bit of a kinship with uh, Rage Against the Machine. Yeah. You know, yeah. they might not be talking about the exact same shit, but they're coming from a similar perspective. And they're like, we want to get some shit across, you know, and uh, but, you know, the they do it a little bit different where like there's no funny Rage songs. Right. 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 There ain't right, nothing right, funny right. about Rage Against the Machine. Um, you know, whereas Ice T is like, I can be funny, right? Times and the the later albums, it gets less and less. It's more on that first album where you got some of the funnier tracks. They get it's it's kind of more focused in on the horrors of the day to day life of growing up in that that environment as it goes on. Right. The first one, like you said, there's KKK bitch. Mama's got to die tonight. Right. Even although some of the some of the songs, they'll be talking about real shit, and it's slightly funny. Like Born Dead, they have Necessary Evil. Mm-hmm. It's basically you know, most of it isn't funny. It's talking about like the stress. It's like when you listen to the delivery of the lyrics and everything else, it's a dude getting ground down getting to his breaking point and having to do fucked up shit to get by. And, you know, when you have like that chorus coming in, coming in, it's such like a rapid pace delivery that mm-hmm. you feel like the tension and intensity. And then uh, I got a fat bitch pregnant, <laughs> you know, So it makes you laugh a little bit too, but totally. You know, on the second album, the one of the songs that I really like is um, "Drive By," and that has a riff that sounds like Rage before Rage. So I'm kind of thinking they heard that song, but "Drive By" illustrates perfectly because people don't get it because, in a theoretical sense, they're like, "Okay, 
he kills one of yours and you kill one of theirs then he kills one of yours and you kill one of theirs where does it end it's just a cycle of violence yeah whatever 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 and in theory that makes perfect sense but the song drive-by illustrates it's like no motherfucker you killed my brother now i gotta kill you it's not mm-hmm. there's no uh whether or not it makes sense or what, what, you know, if recognizing that this is all a pattern or anything like that, it's just, no, man, you killed my brother. I got to get fucking revenge because I have to. And I don't, and I think it conveyed perfectly what that feeling is like. Oh, for sure. A statistic. At this moment, there are more black males in prison than in college. You killed my fucking brother. I'd say probably if we're gonna if we're gonna do some like throw so like what our favorite songs off of some of these albums are uh drive by is a real good one i really dig they do a pretty good cover of uh hey joe on it yeah then you have shit like you know like i said uh necessary evil and then uh shallow graves is a pretty standout one for me also yeah I like Last Breath. That riff sounds like Dirty Women. Mm. It's got like a little Dirty Women. So there's always that Iomi. You could tell Ernie C liked Iomi a lot. Oh, hell yeah. Which is a trip because he ended up getting to produce a a Black Sabbath album. Not one of the more known ones, but still in all, a Black Sabbath album. Which is fucking got to be crazy for him considering that that was probably his like hero dude. Oh, yeah. That was like what? The last... I think it was forbidden. forbidden yeah. yeah, it was. Yeah, I think it was forbidden. Yeah, you know. So the thing with Body Count, I like all their shit. I haven't listened to a Body Count song that I disliked or an album that I disliked, but I feel like, you know, because of all the controversy and everything else that surrounded that first album, that's kind of like the one to get. Like if you only listen to one Body Count album it's their first one you know all the others are cool but i feel like they don't they don't ever quite hit the level that that first one did and part of it like because ironically you know they weren't that first record wasn't selling a ton until the cop killer controversy Mm -hmm. then it started selling like hotcakes and then after that that's when Ice Teeth and the label finally said, fuck it, we're going to do a reprint that doesn't have Cop Killer on it. I want it to be the Cop Killer band. All rise for the Dutch National Anthem. Cop Killer!
he wanted it, you know, to be more. And I feel like after that first album, I feel like Body Count is a thing that Ice-T does as his side project. You know, it's just a thing he does for fun. Um, it doesn't really, you know, he doesn't give a shit how many albums it sells, anything like that. He's just kind of, every so often, he'll just put out a Body Count record. Right. You know, and like you said, the um, the first album is the definitive album. The other ones are good. Uh, they might have maybe one or two classic songs on it, as opposed to fucking like eight that are on the first one. But and also they um, they kind of tend to borrow from themselves. You know, like some of the riffs sound like other body count riffs that you've heard before, or the or the uh, cadence sounds you know similar and then later on there are uh songs where it's kind of more like rapping over the riffs so it changes up but uh really i mean they have the new albums and they haven't done any concerts since they've since they've had the new album so i don't know how many of those songs they'll play but in their live set at vakin last year they played uh bowels of the devil manslaughter no lives matter which is from a uh, 2017 but then the rest are like body count necessary evil drive-by voodoo uh there goes the neighborhood kkk bitch and then um covers you know they played ace of spades they played uh disorder which is an exploited cover they played postmortem by slayer institutionalized by suicidal and then of course cop killer yeah so so most of the songs that they still play are from the first album, and then a couple from the albums, you know, that came out later. You know, what is what is funny too, man, is that Ice T is one of those dudes. He's he's almost kind of like the Jimmy Page of the genre because he gets away with a lot of shit too. Because I mean, like you know, he did Cop Killer, but he still plays a cop on TV. He admits to having been a pimp in the fucking Me Too era, right? Which isn't exactly fucking, uh, I mean, how much how much more of an abuser can you really be than a pimp, you know? Yeah, I, th- I don't think, it's one of those things, I think he gets away with it because, like, what the fuck are you going to do about it? Yeah. Like, it, like, it's a known fact. Like, he, it was never not known. Right. He was out there talking about, like, I have respect for all women and I would never do anything to a woman. And then someone digs up, yo, he used to be a bitches and shit. I was a pimp and I was a mean pimp. And that's part of my past. He he's always owned his past. So it's kind of hard to cancel someone that gets ahead of it. Yeah. Like, if anything, he would get canceled if, like, it came out that it was all a lie. Right. He, he was, was never a, a pimp. He was never a thief. He was never any of that shit. He was just some corny dude and made up that shit because you know, Dr. Dre was never a gangster. Yeah. but he he can write about it. But he was like, you know, before gangster rap became a thing, he could really latch onto. Dr. Dre put out some corny ass shit. He produced like novelty rap songs about like vampires and Frankenstein and shit. Yeah. He was in like a dance DJ crew and shit. Oh yeah, yeah. So that because that's what was like cool at the time. And back then, rap was a novelty. So there's a lot of novelty rap, kind of mm-hmm. like novelty rock songs and shit. And then guys started coming along, and it's like, yo, 
we're in rap about this real shit and he's like okay well i'm an artist i'm a writer i can write from that perspective exactly whereas ice t always came off as just that that little bit more authentic mm-hmm. because he lived a past like that kind of saying like snoop wasn't as as bad but snoop idolized ice t before he idolized guys like dre mm-hmm. now people see him and they think he's like Fun, harmless, smoke weed snoop. But it's like that dude was on trial for murder at mm-hmm. one. Like people like there's kids that don't even know that anymore. Oh you know? yeah. You know, it's kinda I think just to get into that gangster rap shit and everything else, I kinda think like gangster rap, I wanna say it died with Tupac, but I think a lot of people after Tupac and Biggie got killed were like, shit, dude, maybe we've all taken this a step too far. When, like, dudes are for real getting killed over rap beefs. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, you don't want to escape the hood, put in all this work, and finally get success just to get smoked by some nobody who's fucking hating on you. Really, I mean, you want to try to separate yourself from that, but it's fucking hard. You know, uh, these dudes, in a sense, they kind of... They won the game because they graduated to, uh, you know, Ice T's on TV and Ice Cube makes kids movies and Dre makes fucking headphones. And, you know, they they all graduated to a sense in a way. Now it's kind of gone backwards to where all these this one kid. I I mean, I can't keep track of all these young dudes names anymore because I don't really like that shit. But, like, this one kid just now, he got shot before his debut album even came out. <laughs> when they're getting, they're dying before you even know who they are. Yeah, that's bad. That's that's the wrong way to do it. Yeah, to get into that a little bit more, especially with Pac, but the problem was is you had a bunch of guys that weren't real gangsters singing about gangster shit, and then Pac started kind of living it a little bit, uh-huh. surrounding himself with real fucking gangsters. And even, you know, it was good for the image and everything else. But behind the scenes, like everybody was like, this is getting out of hand Mm -hmm. to everybody else. Like the East Coast, West Coast beef was kind of for fun. Mm -hmm. But that Pac took it real serious, especially after he got shot the first time. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Snoop was talking about he'd be on like the tour bus, like hiding from Tupac because Tupac. Because he was like, this dude was fucking, he was another level. He got super, he got way too into it. And he was surrounding himself with some real, real sketchy, dangerous mm-hmm. people. But he else is like, we're trying to have a good time. And he's like, trying to fucking for real, like, murder people, I think. like, mm-hmm. And that's why Dre boned out. I mean, he owned half the company and was just like, nah, you go ahead and keep that. I'm out, yeah. you know, and, and started over with, with nothing. Well, but, you know, but he was Dre, so... There you go. Yeah, he got he pieced out a death row and discovered Eminem and <laughs> Yep, and it was all good. So basically, like you said, you know, the albums are hit and miss. They're kind of like where I mean you could tell just from the sound of the record, like from song to song, that they weren't recorded at the same time or in the same place. Or anything like that, you know. So there's, you know, there's a patchwork thing to it, which kind of, he kind of got back on track, I think, in uh, 2017 for Bloodlust and for uh, 
in last year for Carnivore or this year for Carnivore, they sound more like complete works again. Yeah, because when you listen to shit like uh, Murder for Hire, some of the production quality is just plain bad. Yeah. Some of them, they sound great. So it's kind of like it's track by track. It's like you said, you, it has that thrown together feel. So, you know, you got, you know, songs like The Passion of Christ, pretty fucking good. But like, right, it starts right off the bat, right off the bat, Invincible Gangsta. It's a cool song, but the production quality is not there. Right. So it's it's a little slapdash, and then Manslaughter is a little bit it's a bit better, but you know that's where he's got his ninety nine problems cover, and also a cover of uh, Institutionalized on there. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's still cool, not quite the same, but yeah. When you hit Bloodlust, this was him uh, calling in favors. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he even talked about it because they've been. Over the years, they played with a hell of metal bands and shit like that. And they're always saying, like, oh, we'd love to do something with you. They're like, oh, for sure. But, you know, Body Count wasn't always his first number one priority. Right. Especially when he's, like, acting and shit like that. So he was never, like, he was like, oh, yeah. That, to him, it was like, yeah, I, that's everybody says that. Mm. When they're getting ready to work on Bloodlust, that's when he's like, hey, why don't we just like call a bunch of these dudes? Mm-hmm. So he's got that's where you got Dave Mustaine on it, right? Uh, Max Cavea from uh, uh, Soulfly. Yeah, Sepultura. Sepultura. The dude from Lamb of God's on one. He's on uh, yeah, Walk with Me. Dude, dude from Godhead also. Yeah, and on Civil War, Mustaine does a sick ass solo on there. It's like a classic Mustaine solo. So it's like yeah. fucking, you could just, I didn't even have, I didn't even know that he was on it when I heard it. And I was like, that fucking day must stay.
So yeah, and it's funny because they're talking about it because at the the song Dave Mustaine's on uh, Civil War, the first so the first thing you hear on that album is Dave Mustaine's voice because he's doing the the news break type intro to that song. Oh shit! I didn't even realize that. Yeah, so that's Dave Mustaine wrote that part and just read it. So there's no, it's a fucking cool album. It's definitely a return to form. Mm-hmm. And then Carnivore. Uh, we didn't review it at the time when it came out. You got, you know, you got me a quote advanced copy. Yeah, yeah. But it was one of those things where there ain't a whole lot of bands I'm like, I'm afraid of like if I get a quote advanced copy version of it that uh, I'm a lot worried about. Uh, for some reason, I feel like I don't want like body count to know <laughs> when I got that shit. Like I don't want Ice T to know I got a, a copy ahead of time. Because he seems like the type of dude that would be like fucking pissed about it, right? And, like fuck my ass up over it, right? You're in the front row, like singing the lyrics along, and he stops the show. Hey, motherfucker, how you know these words? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but that does have, uh, you know, it's another, another, another album where he's got some guests on it. You know, like Dave Lombardo is on uh, Colors 2020 drumming. love that song by the way it's uh, uh because i mean i love the original colors um even though it was like com- over the top commercialized and everything to me i thought it was hard as fuck and so i like the new one too the heavy metal version it's pretty cool yeah well shit you you didn't get me the you didn't get me the uh deluxe edition version of it man oh there's a six in the morning 2020 uh on the deluxe edition, it's oh, a shit. put together. So it's a fucking metal six in the morning. Oh, um, I gotta hear that. Okay. But yeah. then he does like shit like when I'm gone with Amy Lee from Evanescence mm-hmm. and shit like that. So that's probably I'd say I'd say Carnivore is probably their sec maybe third best album. Yeah. I would say because the first two body count albums are fucking killer. Right. And then I think it became not his priority. Mm-hmm. So they're just kind of throwing shit together, right? Yeah, with Body Can, I would pretty much say if you have the first two and the last two, you're probably doing good. Yeah, those middle ones are just kind of like you didn't even know they came out. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. But they're still fun to listen to. There's still good shit on them. It's just you know they're they they he pops them out you know every so often. Mm-hmm. 
Body Count came out in 94. In 92, I'm sorry. Born Dead was in 94. The Demise in 97. Uh, then Murder for Hire in 2006. Mm-hmm. You know? And then you got, you know, Manslaughter in 2014. Then Bloodlust in 2017. And then Carnivore in 2020. So there's just that period of time they weren't doing nothing. And we'd have to look into it. It's hard to find, like, backstory, like, um, documentaries about body count. Mm-hmm. It's to watch some shit about Ice-T and kind of figure out. And it could just be because so many of the original dudes died that they're hesitant to to put together a new version. Mm-hmm. But it's not a whole lot of talk about the band as a whole. It's always just Ice-T. And if you find shit about body count, it's all about the cop killer controversy. Right. So it's just like if you go on YouTube, it's just a mount, you know, a collection of news uh, segments on it, which are kind of cool. It's cool to see all these news segments and everything else mm-hmm. in the day talking about it. But it unfortunately, you know, to a lot of people that the it's the cop killer band. They did the cop killer song and it's Ice-T happened to be in a metal band, which to me, it was like, I think I talked about this before. I didn't even know that Cop Killer was a metal song until I got a little bit older. Mm-hmm. Because I just heard about Ice-T and Cop Killer. Right. So I always assumed it was like a fuck the police type thing. I thought it was a rap, a rap song. Because you never, like a lot of these, they didn't play the song on it. And like you said, you got Charlton Heston reading the lyrics. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Where, you know, so it's like you don't get a vibe for what's going on in that song at all. But um, I got a little bit older, and I think it was it might it must have been when I first saw like the behind the music, and they talked about. It. I'm like, oh shit, this is like a metal song, mm-hmm. about, you know. And then Napster happened, so I'm you know 20 years old. I have access to downloading every song I could ever think of <laughs> on the internet. Yeah, it take forever to fucking do it on my 50k modem, but I'm gonna do it. So one of the things i did was i downloaded body i downloaded cop killer yeah and i listened to the whole song and i was like oh i fucking get what he's saying in this song right and you know it starts off with that whole you know you know the corrupt cops and shit the monologue he does before it right to kind of contextualize it and it's not saying like kill all cops it's saying definitely kill bad ones mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> And, you know, and he was like, those those news clips and shit I was watching, it's funny listen, listening to the younger Ice-T talk about that shit. And he's like, I hate cops. Fuck them. Like, he's not even playing, like, when people ask him about it. I think part of it is, like, he's trying to play up the band a little bit. I think also he's getting tired of answering the same fucking questions. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Like, very aggressive, like, fuck cops. No. Yeah. Fuck cops. I can't stand them. Yep. Shit, they're crooked. <laughs> you yeah. know? And he's still like that because another thing, like you said, the albums were sporadic and even less tours because, you know, he's busy doing shows or whatever he's doing. So, like, I looked it up and they only came to San Diego twice. So, like I said, I never saw him. So, so I loaded up some videos and I saw them uh, Body Count Live in L.A., which was back in the day. And then I watched, um, and they had like the yellow tape around the stage and shit like that. It was, it was cool. It was kind of like a, kind of like a small club show, hardcore style, pretty badass. And then, and, and, you know, they were more energetic and younger then. 
And then now I saw him last year at uh, Vakin, and of course it's the big stage, and they're not as mobile as they were. Even Ice, even though even though you don't think of Ice T as an old dude, he is an old. He's dude. old, yeah. He's, and he's he, like my dad's age, yeah. <laughs> but you know, but he's in good shape, and he kind of still moves around good. And in between songs, he's still doing those interludes. He's just doing them live. And on this last Vakken, you know, he's asking the Germans, he's like, you know, have you guys been watching our fucking stupid ass fucking president? You know, and fucking shit like that. And fucking and Germany's kind of just like, uh, like, yeah, I don't know. They, yeah. You know, whatever. But uh, but he was like, no, oh, this is the new German national anthem. Cop killer. <laughs> I, I don't know. But uh but yeah, man. So uh, the shows, uh, I dig them. Uh, I, I was real entertained. Like I wish I could have seen them, you know. But uh, because it's it seems like a real fun show to be at. Oh, for sure. I was watching one from a while back. I think I was first came across the video in maybe 2012. So it was when his son was still a kid, mm-hmm. and uh, you know he's doing Cop Killer. He does a breakdown in it, and you know that's when he's got a. Uh, he starts talking. He's like, you know what, body, you know, I want everybody to know, body count loves you. If you're here and you're cool and you love body count, body count loves you too. And he's like, even the cops in the back. If you're down with body count, body count is down with you. If you're not, fuck you, cop killer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's and then he gets and then he brings his son out to do, you know. You know, he, so you go out his little kid. The kid's little at that point out there saying, you know, fuck the police, mm-hmm. shit like that. But now um, his son's part of the band. Oh, I didn't know that. Because, uh, it's it's more like the touring thing. It's uh, if you look at uh, Bloodlust, starting on Bloodlust, uh, Lil Ice, hype man backing vocals. Oh, there you go. <laughs> and uh, he's uh, so he's, you know, I'm. On those, so he's kind of like he does backing vocals. He's the hype man of the crew now. Right, right. Family production. There you go. <laughs> you know, now that I think of it, probably the reason that they did so few tours is probably because there would have been a lot of trouble at the shows. You know, oh shit, like you know whatever cops refusing to work the show or fucking hassling people outside or protests or whatever the fuck probably wouldn't be so much now. But back then, it would have been a big fucking thing. I don't know, man. If all of a sudden Ice-T said, hey, we're doing a surprise concert in Kenosha, all hell would break loose, man. Yeah, you ain't lying about that. And I kind of want to see it, but I also don't want to see the entire country burn to the ground overnight. (laughs) Um, Maybe I do. I don't even know anymore at this point, man. I've been stuck in lockdown We've been locked down for six fucking months, dude. Yeah, yeah. And we're getting a little taste of freedom here and there, but shit, it was before that, I had my surgery. So I personally have basically been on lockdown since New Year's Eve. <laughs> yeah, yeah. One, one thing um, that occurred to me today, as a matter of fact, was, you know, because I was thinking about how because you know the movie theaters are opening and and it's easy for them to do social distance or whatever they just tape off chairs right and fucking whatever whatever but i was thinking like how are they going to do social distance for concerts motherfuckers move around you know whatever everybody wants to get close whatever all that shit and i was thinking 
that probably the way that they would do it that would benefit the social distancing and benefit their pocketbooks would be just to charge a fuckload of money, right? I think it's that, or everybody gets those cool like rubber balls that you that you roll right. in. But uh, no, for what I've seen, I've seen a picture of what some places are gonna do. It's like obviously they gotta sell less tickets. Mm-hmm. It was like you're basically in like a cage. <laughs> right, 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 right. Where it's like that guard. Ra- it's like personal guard railing for your party. Yeah. People were saying like, "Yo, if concerts are like this, this is what it's gonna be like with me." And it was all pictures of Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yeah. Up, like cages, like drinking two beers and shit. <laughs> you know, I tell you, man. I I really, if that's the case, I really am not gonna miss motherfuckers bumping into me and fucking spilling shit and fucking whatever the fuck. Yeah. Or just suddenly moving right in front of you, big tall motherfucker. Shit like that. Yeah. You know, I mean, I guess we'll have to adjust. I, I'm looking forward to going to a show, but I don't know. I think I'm going to let some of you motherfuckers go to shows first, see how that <laughs> works out, and then we'll see. Castleberry didn't die, so I guess it's safe. Yeah. <laughs> I think Body Count right now, more than ever, their music, like, we kind of need it, man. With Like, that, that last album came out at the right time mm-hmm. because shit's it's been ramping up again for a while now like everything that's going on now it's not like it fucking happened overnight Mm-mm. been ramping up and ramping up It ha- it's like kind of a 30-year cycle when you think about it, man. Like, you had the Watts riots in the 60s, mm-hmm. and then you had the L.A. riots in the early 90s, and now shit's popping off again because shit doesn't ever get fixed, and it simmers and boils, and you get a new group of people that came up in a fucked-up system, mm-hmm. and it finally blows up. And sometimes it, it doesn't have to be a perfect person because, you know... Back in the day, people were talking about, oh, Rodney King was on PCP and shit like that. Mm-hmm. It's fine. Still didn't make what they did to him okay. Right. When you got this dude, Jacob Blake or whatever, the other day, got shot seven times in the back. People were like, yo, he's got a warrant out for rape. 
Mm-hmm. Okay, that's obviously horrible. You don't fucking shoot people in the back seven times. You know, he survived. That wasn't the intent. You know, George Floyd, was he a fucking perfect human being? Fuck no. Right. The cop knelt on his neck until he died. Right. But he saw and we, and we can't differentiate because the fact of the matter is, is that nowadays everybody's on fucking drugs. I mean, show me somebody who's not on a fucking Vicodin or a fucking Adderall or some fucking shit. Yeah. There ain't too many. There ain't too many fucking 100% fucking straight-edge sober people that have any fucking type of leg to stand on to say, oh, well, they were on drugs. They should Yeah, motherfucker, you missed me with that. And they don't turn you into fucking superhuman, man. I remember, like, uh, what it really boils down to, I remember several years back now, was that Michael Brown, when he got shot by the cops, he's unarmed. Mm. The way this cop described him, it's like he thought black people had superpowers. <laughs> like, he fucking, I believe he was scared. I yeah. he feared for his life, but that's because he's a pussy. Not yeah. because Michael Brown was going to rip his fucking arms off and beat him to death with it, but he described it like he was hulking up to attack him. Yeah. Oh, and it's like, you got ways to take down a motherfucker, you know? You don't have, like... So, when he described that, yeah, like I said, I believe he was, he was afraid for his life when he shot an unarmed dude to death like that. Mm-hmm. Problem. We got too many dudes with a badge that are afraid all the fucking time, mm-hmm. on edge all the fucking time. They need to fucking train these dudes better, and they're all they're ready to fucking shoot someone at a moment's notice, you know. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. So when you hear shit like that, it's like there's a fucking problem, you know. I know there's good cops out there. I'm friends with one, mm-hmm. but I don't know if he's in the minority or the majority. I certainly don't know who's a good cop or a bad cop by sight. So it's in my best interest to assume every motherfucker's a bad cop. Right. Well, you know, it's like for me, man, I mean, I get stopped a lot. Not as much as I used to because I used to have like rims on my car and shit like that. Any kind of little thing that made me kind of look gangsterish, I took off of my shit. So now I drive like a fucking grandpa car and whatever. And I still get pulled over a lot. But I've, I've, uh, I've really gotten to know how... Uh, the cops operate and who's who because bottom line when the cop comes to my window and I roll down my window if the cop says license and registration then I'm feeling pretty good about it but sometimes they just come to my window and they say are there any guns or drugs in the car and then I know that this is not going to be one of those nice ones yeah you know and it's just the way it is and I mean, fuck, I I learned to deal with it, you know, and, you know, I have friends that, you know, still say, well, if you just, you know, treat the cops with respect and whatever, whatever, whatever. And you know what? There's a little bit of merit to that. And I do, man. Like, I, you know, the cop comes to my window. I don't say, what, motherfucker? You <laughs> yeah. know, I just, you know, I just fucking, you know, I do what he says or whatever, whatever yeah. until I, until I can't, you know, but, um. Yeah, man. I mean, it's uh, the whole thing is, you know, kind of it's it's almost like this. It's almost like if you are just forever stopping black dudes and most of the time you find that they have something on them or something, then in your mind as as a cop who, who they are expected to make a certain amount of busts and a certain amount of tickets and a certain amount of shit and you're just like what do you mean I can't just stop all the black dudes yeah <laughs> you're taking away my fucking you know my golden calf here fucking my uh my golden goose 
I, you know, it works a lot. You know, I need to keep doing it. But it's just like, no, dude, you can't. Just because it's almost as if they think being black or being Latino or whatever in itself is probable cause. Yeah. And unfortunately, it's for them, it's not, you yeah. know? I mean, that's, yeah, unfortunately, uh, when you when you do shit like that, it's uh, everybody fits a description. Mm-hmm. I mean, you fucking... You fitted. You've probably fit a couple descriptions. Uh, one of them being the logo from Lowrider Magazine, but like exactly. You know, I mean, <laughs> fuck, how you not? You know, and it's one of those things where I mean, you know, like like I said, what I did with my car, I'm fine with it now. But at the time, I was when I was taking my fucking rims off, I was just like, fuck, man, I really don't want to do this, but I got to. You know, I mean, I could fucking like grow some hair and part it on the side and shave my goatee and everything and fucking look somewhat different but ah man why should i have to man yeah. it's just it's just like it's mother motherfuckers don't have to why should i yeah they ain't a they ain't a whole lot of uh one-armed long-haired dudes uh, getting into trouble so people are rarely uh, <laughs> yeah. like someone that did some shit unless yeah. i go and do some shit right um, you know it's funny because it's like you know when we've done shows together i've joked about you know when i when i ride with you to shows and shit and I've made that joke that I'm trying to spread my white privilege around. Then I have that joke where I say, like, now I don't know if it means he's less likely to get pulled over or I'm more likely to get shot by the police. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, we're, we're, we're testing this theory every time. And it's kind of less and less funny now. One time, uh, my sister, I was riding in the car with my sister and we got pulled over right as right as we got on the freeway. And I guess the cop got a really good long look at us while we stopped at the light and so as soon as we got on the freeway uh we pulled over he asked my sister to get out of the car which i thought was fucking weird and she got back in the car she was laughing as we drove away and i was like what the fuck are you laughing at he's like oh he just pulled us over so he could uh take me out of the car and ask me if i was okay (laughs) i go damn (laughs) you know and she does, you know, she's she's lighter skinned than me yeah. and she looks more legit and whatever, but I was just like, damn, and that's my sister. How's that not happen to you every time you're driving with Lonnie? Is I know. Like, especially know. if she's driving. Right? Pull her over to make sure you're not being held at gunpoint. <laughs> <laughs> Drive bitch. Yeah, man. Like, I mean, we joke, but it's like, I mean, when you look at you and you look at Lonnie, it's not like the kind of pair that you would anticipate. So, you know, it's, Pro- probably not. It's funny. It's funny to ex- to an extent, but at the same time, it won't be funny if that shit happens, like in a couple days or something. Oof, yeah, this motherfucker sure. jinxed my ass. <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing is that I know it could happen again because it's happened before. Yeah. So there you go. That was one of my jokes during a roast where I like joked like are you have you been kidnapped like twice, bitch? Like <laughs> <laughs> So I know you're you know, to let me know, but uh yeah, but you know, shit's wild, man. It's like I'm lucky in the sense that's where I tell people like I understand the concept of white privilege. I am privileged in the sense that like I'm never going to get fucked with by the cops just because of the way I look. Mm-hmm. Oh, nobody's going to fucking no one's going to pull yank my ass to the side to fuck with me uh, unless I'm down in TJ ever again. But right. a bit different. I, I have had the federalities fuck with me down there. Oh, yeah. It is yeah. kind of a, 
Uh, that's the first time I've uh, been on the receiving end of some crooked ass cops. Mm-hmm. I fuck with the motherfucker because of the way they look, because they mm-hmm. look with the white dudes down there. Right. Because you know, if anything. But that's financially motivated. Oh yeah, they're trying to shake your ass down, <laughs> yeah. so you make sure you got a bribe on you. But yeah, the first time that happened to me, I remember uh, my friends just keep. My friend kept walking, and another dude were like, "Shouldn't we wait for Mike?" Like, no. <laughs> he was like, "No, we should not." Uh, as long as Mike's not stupid, he's going to catch up with us in about a minute. Yeah. Otherwise, if we keep hanging around, they're going to fuck with us and we're all going to end up in jail. All Mike yeah. nothing. He don't got nothing on him. He's going to fucking shake him down, see if he's got some cash on him and maybe fucking take his cash from him. Mm-hmm. Other than that, as long as Mike shuts the fuck up and does what he's told mm-hmm. alone. And you know what? Like, that's where people tell me all you know, what they say all the time. It's like, hey, you know, if police... Uh, if you're not doing anything wrong, police will leave you alone. No, the fuck they won't. Mm-mm. Bad mood. This one down in Mexico, especially, they they sure as fuck won't. I bumped Mm-mm. walking around a corner. So mm-hmm. I'm around a blind corner. I came around one other end and I bumped into him a little bit and I immediately apologized and I was immediately up against a wall too. Mm-hmm. You know, with him patting me down, going through my pockets, and I just sat there like shit, dude. Mm-hmm. This is fucking freaky. Uh, Fuck, please don't put anything on me. You know, I didn't say nothing out loud. He just asked me if I spoke Spanish. I said no. Speak English. Yes. And then he just said routine inspection. Patted my ass down. I I didn't have anything worth stealing on me or fucking shit me down for. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Yeah. You know, cop, if you think cops aren't there, cops like that in America, you're, you know, yeah, blind, you know, crooked is crooked no matter where you're at. Right, because that guy's getting paid on his tips, right? Yeah. And over here, they're getting paid on their bus record or their tickets that they yeah. issue or whatever it is. So it's all the same, it, they, you know, and, and the bottom line is they like to stop the dudes that they think have the highest odds of having something on them. And those dudes are us. <laughs> Yeah, you know, so I mean, fuck. I mean, I, I get it. It makes sense. It's just fucking. It's still fucked like, up. <laughs> yeah, you're not supposed to do it. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah. all uh, right. Before we get into the political rant podcast, I guess, right? Uh, I think we've we've said all we need to do. We've talked about body count. We talked about the political situation that made us want to talk about body count more. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a good good endpoint for today's uh, today's episode. I think we there's a little bit different tone to an episode than we usually have but you know yes yeah. the kind of fun thing you can't separate like i said sometimes you can't you can't separate the music from the message or some of this shit right talking about one you're talking about the other maybe we'll talk about rage next to get real amped up like, there you go and just <laughs> like rage i hope if they come around again i'm gonna go if body count comes around i'm gonna go and i would expect it to be the same as the last rage show that i went to where there was fucking police on horseback outside when we got out. You know, so fucking A. Okay, until the next one. This is me, Big Frog. Me, Mike Castleberry. And we are out. On every Body Count album, we like to pay homage and tribute to a group that motivated and inspired our sound. On this album, we're sending a shout-out to Lemmy. Rest in peace from Motorhead.
for fools, but that's the way I like it, baby. I don't wanna live. 